Uh, Captain on the bridge. I can't. I can't do it, Sam. I, I'm in pain today. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. What is? Well, four years ago, I was actually in Hanover when the Raptors won the NBA championship. It was exciting. It was a glorious moment for, for a lifelong, lifelong, and for a bunch of people. Brian and Susan May was here. My daughter, uh, Nikki, okay. April, Katrina. I believe we're all there. Brian literally had a bottle of champagne. That was that was the glor most glorious moment for me as a Raptors fan. He did. He had an ice. It was incredible. I would never have done that. Anyway, I called people. It was like one in the morning. It was amazing. Yep. I don't even want to talk about what just happened. Because <laughs> the Raptors were eliminated. I know. It's this video you have queued up, right? It, it is. A video. Yeah, okay. thanks for queuing it up. It's so... The Raptors were in the ninth place in the East, which basically meant they're like the top, you know, like the 18th best team in the league or something. So slightly below mediocre, not very good. But they had life, they had hope. One game against Chicago, and Chicago's one of their two best players was a Raptor, DeMar DeRozan. They traded him away to get the player who helped them win the championship. So it's kind of like, eh, love, hate with DeMar DeRozan. People, people love him, but also they traded him away. Well, in this game, the Raptors lost by, I think it was four points in the end. You said three earlier, I think. Uh, yeah, I may have said three, but I was, check the scores. I think they lost by four points. I was listening on the radio, and all the way along, I was hearing these really weird sounds listening on the radio. I was too tired. To, I thought I might go out to a pub or something and watch the game. I didn't. But it turns out DeMar DeRozan's 10-year-old daughter was sitting close to, the, close to the floor and screeching like a hawk. Every time the Raptors were about to shoot, and they, 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 they missed half their free throws, which is ridiculous. Uh, an average NBA team, they'll miss one out of five free throws or whatever, you know, approximately. They missed 18 out of 36 free throws and lost the game by four points because of DeMar DeRozan's... Well, I mean, it's hard to prove what... But no, but I mean, definitely had a fa was a factor. Eighteen out of thirty-six is way, is way fifty percent. And I, I, low, I actually checked yeah. the box score, which is like broke down the free throw shooting by their good, their good free throw shooters shot badly on their free throws. Mm -hmm. Guys who are normally eighty percent plus. Well, free I think throw everybody shooting. can relate to this. Imagine you're like in a, you know, like putt. Or, yeah, exactly. Or like you're, you're like, you know, about to paint something really fine. I don't know, something like that. It takes a lot of concentration, and somebody squeals. Right mm -hmm. at that moment. So the, the, the silly thing really is, bad. this is the silly part as well. I also realized that this game that I really care a lot about, it, it is just a game. Can we, can we play the clip now? Yeah, sure. So okay. will, will be able to hear it? People will be able to hear it, and it's going to appear right between us here in the middle. Oh, it is. In right any particular game, if he steps the wrong way or something, you know, just turns it and calls. Official visit to Florida State. Asked me, what did you guys do? He said, well, six men, or did they make you the six men? And Patrick said, I was down for whatever coach Unbelievable. It worked and you were saying earlier, like, why do they even allow that? Underrated passer, doing a nice job. Yeah. OG missed. In terms of the total number or the yeah. quality of shots? I'm he can stop now. I'm chilling. Yeah. I'm chilling. Yeah. Really That's really his daughter. That was the guy. That was the guy. That was the guy. How long is this going to go on? Two minutes? That's a long time. Can I speak like a hawk? I can turn it down. Okay, it's DeRozan. A chance to put it up to one more point advantage. There we go. Toronto misses the first. And they were up by. 19 in the third quarter and they lost I mean they also lost because they're not that good a team and everything you know they, they had their own struggles however how painful and humiliating when four years ago glory and now down in the dumps you know where there were dumps literally where outside of the city of Jerusalem back in Jesus day really 
the big dump was called Gehenna. Oh yeah, that's you've right. heard of it. Yeah, it refers to the yeah Jesus refers to it. Kind of a metaphor for metaphor hell. Metaphor for hell. Gehenna. There's there's the girl by the way. There's the girl. I mean, I admire her. She loves her dad. She's helping him out. So she probably her dad was playing on the other team. Yes, that's okay. right. The team All in white right. is All right. the Chicago Bulls. And so every time the Raptors would go to throw, she would squeal. Yes, I could hear on the radio. I did not I know I was hearing. Yeah, uh, like like take for instance, if you went and sat in the second row, oh, I'd squealed, be kicked out. You'd be thrown out of the for sure out of, of course. the stadium. <laughs> well, they have rules about that. Yeah, but probably because it was a little girl, and and they probably knew that she was Demar Derozan's daughter. Well, of course, yeah. There, you can imagine in the like wherever the. Mm -hmm. Where the big wigs sit, like who is yeah. that? You know, um, oh, it's uh, Demar Derozan's yeah daughter. Oh, okay. So I'm down in the dumps. What can we do? <laughs> and the significant thing about Jesus, which is important, is when he was crucified, he was not crucified within the city walls. He was crucified outside the walls because he was an outcast, kind of literally close to the dump, probably despised and rejected by men. We talked about that a bit last week. That's Isaiah, and the the. Uh, where the letter to the Hebrews quotes Isaiah yeah. referring to Jesus as then we we turned away from him. Yeah, so it, he was a reject like our tra like trash. Like the sad Raptors team yeah. and their fans. I think um, this picture actually includes Calvary. I think oh. Calvary's here. Oh, okay, where, where we sitting. are. And um, that that's Jerusalem down, down the Mount hill Jerusalem, there. identified yeah. as Mount Zion sometimes in the Bible? Well, way over there, yeah. But like this, like down... The, you can see the one in the middle there is the city. Oh, that's the city. Oh, yeah. sorry. So way, way back there is, is the mountain. Yeah. Okay. I think. All right. Well, our geography is not that good. You have to do some do a bit of research between now and next, next time, Sam. Me? However, yeah. yeah okay, I'll right. do the research. You don't care. <laughs> Actually, he knows a lot, guys. He knows a lot if you're watching. You know, by the way, we should say this. I, I was thinking my about My head's this. full of useless information. Mostly True. useless. Mine too. Like you know, raptors. Weird, weird things about like physics and space and I, I know weird things about the raptors. And uh like mechanical things and stuff like that. I know weird things about statistics, partly in relation to basketball, partly you know one of the weird things about statistics? The guy who, who popularized the normal distribution did that because they had printed reports. I was just reading this today. Uh, printed reports of the height and chest measurements of Scottish regiments. And they follow this pattern of the sort of bell-shaped curve. Yeah. That was the first time they began to apply statistics to human populations anyway. Whatever. Hmm. Who cares? In which war? Uh, I don't think it was even during war. It was more just they, they had the, these printed statistics. He was actually Belgian. I can't remember his first name. His last name was Q-U-E-T-E-L-E-T. Ketele. I don't know how you say that. I'm not Belgian or French. Um, can you tell? My daughter-in-law is Belgian. So therefore, I consider myself part Belgian. No. It doesn't work like that. Uh, heredity doesn't go up the generations, it goes down the generations. Okay, anyway. Speaking of useless information. Can we move on to Jerusalem and what the whole theme is about here? The theme for the next several weeks will be starting from Jerusalem. Because the, the first reading for the next several weeks, up to the day of Pentecost, which will be celebrated in the church, Catholic Church, on, I think it's May 28th. Uh, does that sound right? Yeah, Pentecost. Yeah, Pentecost. Uh, every first reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, from one of the earlier parts of the Acts of the Apostles. And what's going on there is Jesus has returned to heaven and he's given them a mission, but he's also given them the Holy Spirit. And that, that'll actually tie into the background for this week. This week we're going to hear the first part of the first Christian message or homily or sermon ever preached by Peter, whom Jesus had chosen to lead the Apostles. Um, and um, yeah, let me do jump right into the background there. Shall I do that? Yeah. Okay. Background of this week for our new series, Starting from Jerusalem. 
state the obvious for Christians, and if you're not a Christian, you probably know this too. We Christians believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. This is the pivotal moment in all of human history. It changes the whole cosmos. It changes lives. It can change your life. How can your life be transformed by receiving this news that Jesus died and rose from the dead, which, which we call the gospel? The answer is this. Jesus asks the Father to pour out the Holy Spirit, the third person of God, on all who hear the word, that is the message. Starting from Jerusalem, the first Christians were sent out by Jesus to tell others about the hope of salvation and the invitation to eternal life. They themselves journey from Jerusalem? No, it's called? No, starting from Jerusalem. But whatever, that's good. It's fine. Let's go with that. It's, it's more alliterative. Journey from yeah. Jerusalem. I like it better than what I did. You like it better than? Starting? Well, because it's alliterative. Alliterative. You like journey from Jerusalem better? Better than Thank starting you. from Jerusalem. I'm big on alliterations. It's good. Okay. I know that already. Starting from Jerusalem, starting the journey from Jerusalem, they were sent out by Jesus to tell others about the hope of salvation, as I said, and the invitation to eternal life, which is a big deal, of course. They themselves were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they were starting from Jerusalem because Jerusalem was, still is, the city of David, the center of what was then, had been in David's day, the kingdom of Israel. Jesus is the new David, the Messiah, the anointed of God, the Christ, because he himself was baptized by the Holy Spirit three years or so before his death and resurrection, before the disciples were sent out. Um, the first Christians received the Holy Spirit on the day called Pentecost. So just before Peter's about to speak, they all received the Holy Spirit, the whole group of first Christians. I think the number sometimes given is about 120 or so, um, men as well as women. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there as well. That began the journey outward to, to all nations. When Peter begins to speak, we hear the first Christian message given in the first place to the city of Jerusalem. We're going to hear it in two parts, this week and next week. Uh, and this is just a few weeks after the crucifixion of Jesus, his death, his rising from the dead, his return to heaven. So that's why we hear G Peter's preaching about Jesus as died and risen from the dead. We also hear him talk about David, who is in dead and buried. Contrast, David dead and buried, Jesus died, but risen from the dead. Jesus, the new David, is alive and has fulfilled David's own prophecies, as Peter talks about. So Peter concludes the message, God raises Jesus, of this we are all witnesses. Exalted at the right hand of God, he received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father and poured him forth, that is, poured forth the Holy Spirit as you see and hear. The people around are observing Peter and the other disciples who are now filled with the Holy Spirit. The risen Lord Jesus is the new and eternal King, and he asks for a specific gift from the Father. And what's that? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that the disciples would become his witnesses. And with the same gift of the same Holy Spirit, so can we. And that's our background for this week. Journey from Jerusalem. Nice. Right. We're going to be following the book of Acts. That's right. Through this journey. Yeah, we're not going to be actually going chronolo chronological order. I checked ahead. So towards the end, we're going to jump back to chapter 1 and chapter 2, which we'll, we'll see as we go. Maybe at the end we can, uh, you remember that article I was telling you about? The, the, uh, where all the apostles ended up after oh, yeah, branching yeah, yeah. out? Yeah. They all ended up in different places. They mm. branched out all over the world, basically. Yeah. So they ended quite, some of them ended up quite far from Jerusalem mm -hmm. before they were mar usually martyred. Two of them went to India, as far as I know. Yeah. Bartholomew also knows Nathaniel and uh, Thomas. I was going to say, two of them made it to India. Yeah. Um, didn't one of them make it to like northern, northwestern Europe? Like, I don't, I don't know the rest like of what the is story. France now? I, I believe uh, we were talking about Spain. this a while ago. Spain, St. James. St. James made it to Spain. That's right. 
not not amongst the twelve, but amongst the first disciples. Yeah. Church tradition says that Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. We were talking about this. Ended up in France. In France, yeah. Which is quite a hike. Oh yeah. Think about it in the uh, first century. It's a, the Romans. They, some people believe. Some people. Some some of the early church uh, fathers, as they're called, Christian writers, said it was probably providential that the Romans built all the roads so the gospel could travel along these amazing roads. They had a very yeah, well paved. worked out transportation transportation system. Right. Some of those roads are still around. As if you've traveled yeah, to Europe, paved, a little bit. Paved roads, even like mm -hmm. like paved with cobblestone and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Okay. Okay. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise and thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are um, eternally present with us, that you never leave us, you never leave our side, even when we feel um, as though we're alone or when we're in trouble and we don't know the way out, we know that you are still there with us, that you're there waiting with, waiting with love, um, that you have the answers, that you're in control of this crazy world and our crazy lives and uh, that you invite us to surrender to you and to trust you that you know what's best and that you have a plan for us so we thank you lord jesus for calling us to be here today to reflect on this passage from scripture we ask you lord to um, for the grace from your holy spirit to be able to understand these words for them to mean something to us for them to guide us in our own journeys from jerusalem as we uh, as we exit this uh, this octave and uh, enter the next leg of the journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed, <clears throat> You who are Jews, indeed all of you staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. You who are Israelites, hear these words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man commanded to you by God, with mighty deeds, wonders, and signs, which God worked through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the set plan and foreknowledge of God, you killed, using lawless men to crucify him. But God raised him up, releasing him from the throes of death, because it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me. With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Therefore my heart has been glad and my tongue has exalted. My flesh too will dwell in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld. Nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. My brothers, can, one can confidently say to you about the patriarch David that he died and was buried, and his tomb is in our midst to this day. But since he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn an oath to him, that he would set one of his descendants upon the throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that neither was he abandoned to the netherworld, nor did his flesh see corruption. God raised this Jesus. Of this we are all witnesses. Exalted at the right hand of God, he received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father and poured him forth, as you see and hear. One more time? Yep, thank you. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed, You who are Jews, indeed, all of you staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. You who are Israelites, hear these words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man commanded to you by God, commended to you by God with mighty deeds, wonders, and signs, which God worked through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the set plan and foreknowledge of God, you killed, using lawless men to crucify him. But God raised him up, releasing him from the throes of death, because it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me. 
With him at my right hand I shall not be disturbed. Therefore my heart has been glad and my tongue has exalted. My flesh too will dwell in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. My brothers, one can confidently say to you about the patriarch David that he died and was buried, and his tomb is in our midst to this day. But since he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn an oath to him, that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that neither was he abandoned to the netherworld, nor did his flesh see corruption. God raised this Jesus. Of this we are all witnesses. Exalted at the right hand of God, he received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father and poured him forth as you see and hear. I have a phrase whenever you want to. Okay. My phrase is, it was impossible for him to be held by death. That was my phrase too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you choose it? Um, I just love it. I just, death seems so final. Um, I've never had a hard time believing in the resurrection. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know why. The resurrection why. of Jesus? The resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Like, I've ne- it's never been a struggle for me. Yep. I don't know why. I guess it's a gift that I have. But um, uh, some people do. Like, mm-hmm. like um, this new friend of mine at Alpha just cannot seem to get, pa- get past that point. It's difficult um, to see how someone could just walk away from the grave. Yeah, I was, just, I was just I like that one because, you know, death couldn't death could not hold him down. Well, that's a line from a song or a different translation yeah. or something, right? Yeah. Um, well, I want to speak up for people who would find it hard to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because I believe it. I don't have trouble believing it. But something we have in common, maybe I could throw in. We were both raised Catholic and it was part of our upbringing. And we both thought about it a lot. I have. I know you mm-hmm. have as well and try to examine the question rationally. So there's a rational side to this question. Did he rise from the dead? Is it rational to believe he rose from the dead? I think the answer is very much yes, but the claim is pretty crazy. It is a crazy claim. Um, So as much as I would say the Catholic faith is rational, it also, like every other belief system, worldview, et cetera, requires faith. But the particular thing we're trying to say is, I, I guess this I would throw in, without the Holy Spirit, we can't really have faith. We can't, the Bible says, we can't even proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord without the Holy Spirit. So, yes, we can help people, we can help each other understand and make sense of this fact, this reality that Jesus rose from the dead. But it's not even just like he was alive again. It was also his resurrection was like death could not hold him down. He would not, like Lazarus raised from the dead, would and did die again, Jesus had completely conquered death. So we're on the other side of the resurrection when Peter's preaching here. And Peter himself would have been freaked out by the whole thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed from last week, uh, even after Jesus appeared to them, which is the first evening of the resurrection, this was last week, eight days later, seven days later, a week later, the next Sunday, in other words, they're still actually locked away. Even though they met Jesus rose from the dead, they're still afraid, they're still hiding, they're still locked. In fact, the day of Pentecost, which is the day that we hear this, this, this preaching from, they've stayed, they've stayed locked away. They met Jesus rose from the dead, they saw him ascend to heaven, and they're still, they're still afraid. I'm just thinking, like, even for them, until they receive the Holy Spirit. So I, 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 think, I feel like for me, especially, to think about 
what happened with Jesus and how we can possibly believe it does require the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we're not, we're not able to see him. Right. The same way they did right. before he ascended. And even, even they were afraid until they received the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also liked the line, um, God raised this Jesus, of this we are all witnesses. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the last line is, as you see, and he, he poured forth the Holy Spirit, as you see and hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking about witness. Yeah. Uh, I, like the, I like the word witness, because the mm-hmm. same word is martyr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and the word testimony comes from it, too. It's like the they're all, they're all testimony, witness, and martyr are all from the same root word. Yeah. And uh, they all mean basically the same thing, which is the word witness, which is to, kind of to witness or yep. um, attest to whatever. Um, I was just thinking about the importance of witness and how, um, how important testimony is, how important it is for people who do know Jesus to be able to say, I'm a witness, right? He's, he's alive again, and I'm a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were, we've been journeying through Alpha, and the first few weeks talk a, a lot about Jesus and about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the claims they make when they're sort of, they're sort of issuing a bunch of proofs for the resurrection. Yep. One of them, which is actually a kind of compelling proof, mm-hmm. is that billions of people claim to have had a personal encounter with Christ, right? Yeah. Um, I hope I'm not getting too off track here. No, but, no um, not at all. Like, so th- this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Even now, 2,000 years after this, mm-hmm. approximately 2,000 years later, yeah. people like me and you yeah. claim to have had an experience where we encountered Jesus Jesus in some way. Yeah. Now, I didn't see Jesus vis- like visibly with my eyes, and yet I know without a doubt that he's real mm-hmm. and that he's alive because I encountered him not just once, but like many times I've yeah. encountered his presence. Um, and when we got to that part in the discussion that we were having at Alpha, um, a person came to me, actually it was a young, a young person, teenager, came to me and said like, what do they mean? Like people have had, mm-hmm. right? And I, like, I think they know, they, they know Christians and they know that I'm a Christian, but like they were kind of asking like, so you really, you really think you've had an encounter with, mm-hmm. with Jesus, right? Yeah. And that's where it comes back to witness. Like, yes, we have. And um, what I like about that proof, as opposed to things like proofs about like, you know, what happened to the body and things like that. There's a mm-hmm. lot of different, or the Shroud of Turin's another one, or different things like that. There's lots of different reasons why it's reasonable, as you said, mm-hmm. to, to believe in the resurrection. What I like about that proof is it's very hard to argue. <laughs> when a lot of people, not, not everyone is smart, not everyone is talented not everyone is learned or whatever it's it varies a lot uh the people that have experienced jesus but there's so many that it's hard to argue with it almost makes you like kind of arrogant if you say all those people are just making it up you know what i mean i both agree with you and right, not fine. surprisingly not that i disagree with you because i'm actually completely with you on this okay but I, I i think i'd like to make the case for people for whom that's still hard to believe okay no that's so, fine so it's both I, in there's a both hand, right? I'm still like, like I said, I'm still sympathetic with people that don't believe. I don't, I don't want to make it. Did, did I give that impression at the start? You're, you're really confident. I know, but did I give the impression that I don't understand why they have a hard time with it? I just said mm-hmm. I, I've never doubted. You, said, you, you did say, how can you dismiss the experience of, of like a billion people? No, I'm just, I'm just saying it's difficult people. to without it's seeing arrogant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 
Yeah, I disagree with you actually on that. Okay. I think you can dismiss other people's experience. The point about experience is that I used the word encounter, which is used it carefully. I appreciate that. Different from experience. But uh, an experience is something that I have that you may not have. And there are shared experiences, obviously. Mm. There are experiences. Well, you and I have had different experiences of Jesus. Right, at the same the same. And we both had one. So are we both yes. crazy? Yes. Well, don't answer that question. <laughs> I'm a Raptors fan. I'm a sad, oh. sad, sad. And I'm a Tesla fan, so. That's actually worse. Nikola Tesla, not the not the, the car. Oh. I'm not a not a fan of cars. We won't get into that today. Uh, here's the th here's the thing. So a conversation I had recently with uh, with a couple of people who are seekers. Uh, it's like you know Jesus is a really good guy. He's got him some amazing teachings, but basically everything else after Jesus is a con. Literally the word con, right? Like Scientology, yeah. or like uh, this person said. I would probably agree, like like the Mormon uh, community. It's like, oh, like when you look at the church and you see all the, I can totally understand that point of view, 100%. So there you go. That's like, <laughs> uh, here, actually, this is interesting because you know the thing about a witness is, the question is, are you a credible witness or am I a credible witness? And the church as a whole has always struggled with that. As a whole, over history, we have often not been a very credible witness. We yeah. claim to be witnessing Jesus. And actually, this person said of me, as you've probably heard of yourself, you know, I think Jesus would approve of you. But like when I think about when this person or these people, it was, it was actually a couple, a young couple, they think about like Christians as a whole or um, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church as a whole. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. That, that's why, like, because the church said so is such a poor which is to a, say a, a bunch of people, <laughs> a bunch of people. You yeah. said it's hard to dismiss. I think it's like, so So the context in which I was talking about is like where I live uh, is the village of Dundalk, near, yeah. near there. I love my community. Actually, I, I've been lived, lived there more than I've lived anywhere else, right? And really talking to fellow Catholics and other Christians in the community, how can we bring Jesus back to our community, really? Because faith in Jesus has declined steadily. Recently, we've had some people move in who are like really devout Christians, okay? Pentecostal Christians, as it happens, but also immigrants who are Catholic. So we, we got some potential there. Some, but like when I'm talking to people in my community, like I mentioned this couple, for instance, and they're like, they're skeptical. And I actually scare this, share their skepticism, not about Jesus, but about the credibility of the church. And that, that creates a huge problem, oh, sure. which we can't get around. I'm sorry, can't get around it. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And I mean, for years in my own life, um, uh, that, it seemed like that was the all there was, was mm -hmm. like, in terms of like the reasons given for why you go to church and, and what, sorry, what was what all there was? Just that the church says so. That the church says so. You know, right. oh well, it's it's a sin not to because the church don't says do so. that because the church says so, etc. Or like right. whatever, like you know, yeah, as a reason for yeah, that's not very convincing. At so least I wasn't convinced by it. We're we're recording this a week ahead, but anyway, so Easter vigil, which we were both at there were several people who were baptized and received into the Catholic Church, some of whom we know. I had a chance to spend an evening with them, which would be last week after the, the week before, last week um, at the time of this, when this gets uh, recorded, uh, broadcast, when you're listening or watching. Um, I asked the question, we were talking about a word called conversion, which means turning your life over to Jesus. The question I asked is, two questions actually, who do you trust the most in the world, like a human being? And the second question is, how much you trust Jesus? Because it's not just like an either or in my experience of, of, I know he rose from the dead. I'm confident of that, just like you are. I really am. Partly because I know you, by the way. Partly, you and others, people who are credible Christians to me. It makes a difference to my faith. Uh, but the thing is, 
So here, here were some interesting answers to those two questions. One, <laughs> somebody said, I don't trust anybody. Uh, yeah. Really, an honest answer. This is somebody who's been part of the group and has not entered the church. After months of journeying, I don't trust anybody like any other human being. So who knows what people have been through, right? Why, why it's just hard to trust, period, right? Yeah. And somebody else said, I believe, but I don't think I trust. I'm not sure how, if I'm not sure if I'm ready to trust yet. Jesus, that okay. is. That's the second person speaking about Jesus. Yeah. So believing means you accept something as true. That's the whole belief faith thing. Right. But I think the word trust, I like the word trust better than the word believe. I think that they mean the same thing. But trust is not like an either or. It's like how much. It's like Peter walking out. Jesus says, whoa, come on, walk the water. Peter, yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks on the water. And then the next thing you know, He's sinking. He realized, oh, no, there's a storm going on. I can't be doing this. This is not real. But this is the same Peter we're talking about. I'm pointing to this passage, which is printed here from Acts chapter 2, who's like, he know, I mean, I think at that point, he's out there preaching. And he goes through a lot of ups and downs. You read about in the book called Acts of the Apostles or Acts. Yeah, that's true. But he knows, because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, that he can, he can trust Jesus no matter what, to the point of his death which was not that many years after this day. He, he, he kind of knew, like, okay, you know why those disciples ran away when Jesus was crucified? All the men did, except for one we hear about, John. They knew that they were the next targets, and it turned out to be a rational prediction, as you were saying, all of them, except for John. Mm, I haven't really thought about that before. The one, dis, or one of the 12 apostles who was not martyred oh, for I Jesus was the only either. one who was there at the foot of the cross with him. All the others yeah. end up toast. Literally, the only one that saved his life was John. Well, he, he ended up dying too. I know, but well. he ended up dying of natural causes. That's right. Everyone, everyone who ran away to save their life at the cross yep. ended up dying a martyr. Yep. In other words, a willing victim <laughs> like Jesus. It's kind of ironic. So, and we focus on the 12 for good reason. They're the foundation of this community, but really it's a bunch of people. And um, I actually heard uh, people talking about um, Christian preaching. I was listening to a little talk about podcast about that this morning and uh i don't actually have a bible in front of me right now but one of the funniest things this guy was pointing out it is incredibly funny you'll be familiar with this the first thing peter says when he starts preaching uh don't worry we're not drunk <laughs> well yeah i mean it's too early and also probably like that was he literally the, said don't worry we're not well, drunk. well that was i gotta find, i'm gonna grab that, a bible that i want to get the quote. was probably being leveled at them at the time oh yeah he, so that, that was top of mind, right? Yep. Yeah. Can you press the button for me so I can leave the bridge? Oh, sure. Thank you. You're welcome. You can these, keep talking. These men are not drunk. They have been, <laughs> for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Or so that's a good excuse. Like in Bruce, Bruce County. I, I was going to say Bruce County. I didn't. I held back. <laughs> Bruce County, he would have been laughed off the stage. <laughs> these men are not drunk for it is only nine o'clock yeah. in the morning. And then people would have been like, what? Nine o'clock in the morning. We've yeah, already had seven literally. years by then. This is the good news, which is a very loose and informal translation. But here, it, it does sound like that. Good Acts news. chapter 2, just before the passage we got to. Fellow Jews, and all of you live, live in Jerusalem, listen to me and tell me what you suppose, what tell, and let me tell you. Thank you. Back on the bridge. Navigator. <laughs> I claim to be the navigator. Anyway, what this means. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only like 9 o'clock in the morning. You got the time right. I know. And if he was Bruce Kanye, they'd laugh and say, half of us are drunk. Yeah, we're still drunk from last night. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, that's, that's no the... we haven't started drinking this morning, but all-nighter, like that wedding I was at in Chepstow, not to mention that any bush names. That bush party. 
No, the way it was a wedding. You were at a wedding? In Chep yeah, the reception was in Chepstow. Recently? In the summer. Oh, last year? And it was still, it was totally still going at nine o'clock the next day. <laughs> I believe you. In fact, so as soon as... Well, wait a minute. As soon as the liquor store opened, you did another run. Gosh. Man, you, you guys are tough out there. You have I can't livers? do that. You need livers I can't, left? I can't do that. Don't lump me in with them. Oh, yeah. I'm lumping you in with I, them. I, I, I had like, you sound like Peter denying that he's from, from I had uh, coffee. his Galileans. I, I had coffee. That's it in the I, morning. I actually believe you. Okay. Why are we joking about Bruce County? That's how you keep from getting hung over. You just continue to drink constantly. <laughs> and then you're never hung over. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, I feel like we've over-educated people on Bruce County lifestyle. Well, it's not Gray County. No, Gray County is a whole lot better. They do math over here instead of... Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, sorry, man. I shouldn't have said Dundalk. that. I shouldn't have said so that So many people line. laugh at Dundalk. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that on the air. You don't do math, as far as I know. No, I know, but like, you know, that's sort of Gray County's thing. Math? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Hey, uh, why are we even talking <laughs> about this crazy stuff? The point is, I think it is rational yeah. when you first hear the message that Jesus died and rose from the dead to say, this is crazy or a con. Yeah. Right? These, these are two rational responses to this news until, this is what I think is amazing, that day after Peter fi finishes preaching, which we'll hear about next week, 3,000 people from the crowd accept faith in Jesus and are baptized. You know, until they hear about the Eucharist, like everything, that all seemed crazy, but then you hear about the Eucharist and then you're like, that's a whole other ballgame. But let's I wonder how many of those 3,000 left when they heard about no, the Eucharist. No, I think they didn't. Because the thing is, <laughs> they received the Holy Spirit. And you think, think resurrection is hard to believe in. Wait till you hear about the Eucharist. I think the Eucharist is much easier to believe in oh, than do the you? resurrection. Okay. I do. Because, and the reason for that is because right. if he's risen from the dead, then he can literally, you know, he's transcending the constraints of normal reality. If there was no God, who pushes up the next tissue in the tissue box? I think you've just convinced everybody. There are no atheists left in the world. <laughs> you convinced me. It's a, it's a miracle every time. <laughs> are you drunk? No. I know you're not. Uh, so <laughs> no. so I'm, I'm just, uh, there, that was my thing about like, I think the word trust is really important to me because it is really important. And, and uh, I know we, because we, we were talking about a couple of situations uh, earlier on, within the church no matter how long you've been a christian this this happened to peter it happened to others as well around him there are so many ups and downs on the journey i like journey to jerusalem for that reason because you can look around at your brother or sister in christ any brothers and sisters in christ happen to be watching you could say oh no why did we let that person join our group or speak on our behalf because people look at me and can say that too because i've got turns out a few flaws you've got a few flaws um, and yeah. we're really hoping that the Holy Spirit still shines through his power through our very limited, fractured, sometimes divided community. And people still say, I want to be part of this. We're really hoping that. And that's why I, I also, uh, very important to me not to push people to trust the Catholic Church in, a ways, in ways that are inappropriate. We talked about that actually, the same group of people, I had a chance mm. to talk with them about um, morality. Um, you know, God entrusts the church, this is the Catholic Church's understanding, with the truth about a reality, about how to live, morality, etc. right? All this truth is given to the Catholic Church to preserve and hold and, and share with people. But when you look at the people who are in the church, we're not always living up to that. And sometimes we're really far from it, as certainly as a community, as we know. We're broken yeah. people. And even the way we treat each other, 
that can often be a countersign to people when we're not respectful and loving, which I, I know I'm sometimes not. Um, so to elevate a, someone in the church, whether it's me or me and Charles or, yeah. or another Christian or that's a right. bishop or a priest to a level that's inappropriate mm -hmm. um, isn't helpful. And it's actually a, you know, a kind of a cause of some of the problems that Look, we're facing. We see in the church and around the church. the church. And, and it's not just the church. I know that. But I, I don't want to let us off the hook because other institutions Almost are like a Give them like a celebrity status or giving them a pass on things they're doing that are wrong. Well, I think um, when people begin to trust and believe, like which is amazing in Jesus, and they do that in part because they trust and believe in us, Yeah, we have such a big responsibility in, in how we conduct ourselves and what we say. So that, that's one of the reasons we are lighthearted. We like to joke around about loser basketball ourselves. fans and Bruce County people and Dundalk. Uh, because we know that's actually an accurate representation of reality and that we don't want people to trust us. We want people to trust Jesus. We're hoping that we're part of that. We're trying to be. We're doing our best. We try to be trustworthy, but at the yeah. same time, we recognize our flaws, that we're human. Yeah. And that uh, may as well laugh about it. And say sorry and try to do better. Also, why is everybody so serious? All the time. You're a highly sanguine person, otherwise known as I on your schema. You love laughing, don't you? I actually like laughing, too. I laugh at myself a lot. That's a good thing. Uh, I think Peter might have been laughing at himself and at his fellow Christians when he said, don't worry, we're not drunk. Yeah, do you think he had a smile on his face? I do. That's what this guy was saying. Yeah. Actually, I know you love talking about race. So um, it was what? a... What? I don't love talking about race. Oh, I do. I That's think it's funny. <laughs> There's actually a white preacher talking to a black preacher. This Kerry Newhoff, whom you heard of, and this, uh, this black guy from the southern states. And he, he, so the white guy says to him, are there things that white preachers can learn from black preachers? So, yeah. And what? There's lots there, but part of it was this thing about humor oh. and laughing at ourselves. Yeah. And, and that's okay. That like, well, we, we don't have to be complete. It's important that we are responsible. There's a lot of serious stuff going on in the church, in our faith, and obviously in people's lives, your life. Our lives too. Yeah, I think to keep in mind too that during this speech, um, like keep in mind that people felt it appealing, like they they heard it and mm -hmm. it, they found it appealing. They did, right? So I guarantee you, it wasn't like, uh, like a, you know, like no. just he was, was and he wasn't angry, which is much no, it wasn't angry, angry either. either. It was he like said, you guys have crucified Jesus. Yeah, but the the, the other thing about it. I think coming from Peter in particular, don't forget Peter denied Jesus. Mm -hmm. What, like a week before this? Well, or, or several weeks long? before, yeah. Several yeah. weeks before, whatever yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, just a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so mm -hmm. I, I imagine Peter's very much aware that he really messed up. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. And actually, maybe wasn't one of the ones that crucified him. Okay, whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. obviously, like, he wasn't part of that. Sure. But collectively, part of the people that you know, were like implicated. Yes, definitely. He well, was, he, 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 he was let, not a help. He, he, he let ran Jesus away. Down. Yeah. He let Jesus down. He ran away and then denied him Yeah. rather than join him or what he, if that's what he thought would happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I imagine that it was a speech that was very, it was full of life, mm -hmm. but also full of humility, mm -hmm. right? Like they could see on Peter's face, he, like us, needs to believe in the risen Jesus. Needs needs salvation. He needs forgiveness. Needs forgiveness and mercy. Yeah. yeah. Because he is not above us. You know, it wouldn't have come across that way. And the evidence that it was it wouldn't have come across that way was because there was such fruit from it. Mm -hmm. The three thousand, um, well, as recorded in the Book of Acts by yep. Luke. Luke wrote the Book of Acts, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
3,000 people, significant yeah. fruit from that one speech. So, yeah, which, I don't know. I just, I picture it being like, like the kind of speech where you're like, you're at the end, you're just like, you got to do something, you know, mm -hmm. like just so moving. I don't even know what to compare it to, but anyway. The people there would just be like, wow, that is something. And of course, maybe many of them, maybe thousands of them did not respond right then. Actually, some thousands did even a short time later. But oh, and they were all they were all hearing it in their in their own language, weren't they? Each one in their own language, which yeah, which so oh, there's that. Uh, there were so there were miracles <laughs> attached to it. There are signs and wonders mentioned, but I think the credibility of Peter himself is is yeah. the number one thing. It's like I'm a broken man, and yet he has chosen me to be the first Christian to ever preach. Mm. First Christian preaching ever. The first time the Christians came out into the world, literally out into the city of Jerusalem. And, uh, and that's why, of course, he does appeal very much. He's, this is all rooted in his faith as a, as a Jew, as a devout member of, of Israel, um, someone who looked up to David as their greatest king and says, that this is Jesus. You know, David's tomb is right here. He's dead. Jesus, he's risen from the dead. So he was near David's tomb when he was preaching? Perhaps. I, I'm not exactly sure about how that worked. But yeah, they knew where it was. And they had, that's where David had died. It was his city. It was his David city. was prophesying about in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 16, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. I could be wrong, but that's the Psalm for the day for that uh, right, Sunday Mass. That, um, mm -hmm. No, what is it? No. Um, you will not abandon my soul to the netherworld. Yeah. Right? You will not, oh, corruption. You will not suffer your Holy One to, to see corruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're starting a journey. It's taking us through what we call the season of Easter. This is the second week of Easter. We're actually, actually heading, second week being heading into the third Sunday of Easter. We're going to go for six weeks or so, heading till May 28th, I believe. Which is Pentecost. Which is Pentecost, explosion of the Holy Spirit, which we'll get to. Like I said, it's not chronological, but it's all coming out of the same experience. Jesus, first disciples, receiving the Holy Spirit, starting to go out into the world with the good news that there is hope. How about we wrap up? Sure. And congratulations. I think we've done again. enough damage for one day. Probably. Uh, and congratulations again to our big winner from uh, our giant, giant raffle yeah uh, and thank you to all who entered it was uh overwhelming it was a little overwhelming the number of people entered i actually got a sore hand writing out all the names wow um and uh winner mark if you could send us your address so that we can mail you the grand prize <laughs> I, ha I have his address at home you have his address okay uh, it's a friend of mine charles knows him so yeah okay well, you could always send it. But to it me wasn't too. fixed. Don't worry. It was not fixed. Don't worry, everybody else. No, it, it was not fixed. It was not fixed. He's not really my friend. I just know him. He's just a guy. Don't worry. He's one of our faithful listeners. So. He is one of our faithful. <laughs> and he entered, so he won. Well, way to go. Um, yeah. He's going to be eating waffles or pancakes or something. Or just drinking maple syrup. Drinking maple syrup? Yeah. Like some kind of psycho. Well, you're from Ruscani. What would you know? Um, you don't drink maple syrup. The way my in-laws drink... Eight maple syrup. Have you ever done this or seen people do this? They'd have a bowl of maple syrup and tea biscuits. And they'd be like, the tea biscuits would be in the maple syrup. So I'd never seen that before. When I was a kid, grew in Brampton, didn't know much about the country or maple syrup. It's like two teaspoons per pancake. That's it. It was kind of like drinking maple syrup when I moved to Gray County. I mean, we used it fairly liberally. That's what I'm getting at. Like I mean, the Holy Spirit. I would butter, I'd make toast and peanut butter. Yeah. And then rip the toast and peanut butter off and dip that in the maple Ooh. syrup. Ooh. That's good, actually. And then, like the last one, you just like wipe up all. So you have like over. a bowl of maple syrup. You do like that a with plate. Right? Like I put it on a plate and make okay, it. Okay, like... there you go. Anyway, Very all right. Good. Let us pray. Okay. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for the bounty of the springtime. 
that we are enjoying, Father in heaven. Um, your goodness, your love, and your mercy are, are overflowing, and I confess my unworthiness and our unworthiness, all of us here, uh, to receive especially the greatest gift of all you give us, which is your gift of your Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and uh, change our minds and hearts, melt us and mold us into the image of Jesus so that when people look at us, they're pointed to him. Uh, we thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us, your death on the cross, the pain that you suffered, the humiliation, the days in the tomb, and for your blessed resurrection where you have conquered death and set us all free. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope yes, I compare the Holy Spirit to maple <laughs> syrup. I just did that. I hope we don't offend, we didn't offend anybody from Gray County. I'm from Gray, we're in Gray County. No. <laughs> I know. We know, we know, we know who we are. We've got our problems. Our, our particular county problems are not something to celebrate or laugh about. Was... They are real, and they're pretty they're serious real. for people who are struggling with them. Of course they them. are, yeah. We do know that. And they're ongoing. They've been, they've been going for a while, and uh, people like me are trying to help. I'm trying to help a little bit. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I know. Alcohol and meth are like with, yeah, really same serious. Same County. I mean, yeah. it ruins a lot of families as well. But anyway, so we, this is not an endorsement of any of those things. No. To our diocesan overlords, which may be watching. Their name shall not be named. He who should not be named. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are not necessarily those of the Diocese of Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Of the Episcopal Corporation. <laughs> they most certainly are. Well, certainly are not. They, well, no, they, they agree that we're not endorsing <laughs> alcohol and meth. Oh, that's true. They probably agree with that. Of all, why are we still talking? Should we I wrap up know. here? Do yes, you have I to go and should. pick up groceries for your wife? I do. Okay. okay. Thanks, everybody, for watching. See you guys. Um, happy Easter season. We'll see you next week. Journey to Jerusalem. God bless everybody. Bye. Bye.